The Sea Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CE Podcast with me, Scott McManamy, and by my side, social distancing of course, as always, is the one and only Henry Capper. Henry, how are you this fine day? I'm keeping well, still surviving, Scott. How have you been keeping seeing this past couple of days? Trying to stay busy, still watching the, the office, so I'm on season four, halfway through, so... Flying through it, you'll be you'll be done know, by yeah. week six. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of I'm thinking about this, Scott. I'm thinking about this. I need some other uh, shows to watch to entertain myself. That's uh, that's brutal. Fair play to you. Um, we are we're delighted to be joined uh, over Skype today for a very special episode, an episode uh, inspired by uh, the legendary Jed Taylor, who asked a question about the origins of CE, where, who, what, why, and all that. And we thought, who, who better to get along than the one and only Gilly Carson? Uh, Gilly, how's it going? Not too bad, Scott. It's good to see you guys um, and your social distancing. Um, Thank you, Gilly. I'm okay. I'm I'm struggling with some aspects of it. It's hard to put the day in, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Do a bit of reading. I do a bit of anatomy preparation for, God willing, September if I go back to teaching again uh-huh. and mm-hmm. walking around the garden in a pair of shorts. So if you want a really bad sight, you can come see that. That's really horrible. How short are these shorts? Disgusted <laughs> by it myself. Never mind anybody. Neighbors. Yeah, I think we'll so, pass on that, Gilly. But thank you for yeah, the offer. Pass, definitely. Definitely. Oh, Gilly, no, no, I'm not bad. Not bad. Good, that's good. good. Gilly, we're missing you, so it's it's good mm-hmm. to hear your voice. It's good to see your face. Uh, good to get a wee bit of a chat in. Gilly, are you are you up for telling us a wee bit about uh, CE? What you know about it? Uh, with all your sure. with your wealth of expertise, maybe you could uh, just get right into it. Um, how how and when did CE start? How did how did it all begin? Well, actual dates I'm not really very clear on, but I think probably the 1970s. I know that seems like a lifetime. It's a lifetime for me, but it's a lifetime for most of people ago. Uh, there was a CE for young people, but it actually met on a Monday night. So it sort of excluded all the students and so forth. So a guy called Raymond McRae, who had taken over the CE group from his dad. Uh, Raymond was a, just early 20s, I think, at that stage. He t- took it over and... Uh, decided to move it from uh, Monday night to Saturday night. Uh, he had a great vision for CE, wanted to reach out into the community. Um, and after a period of time, he realized that the group was to such a size that he needed help. So he, he foolishly came along and asked me to come along and help him. So at that stage, we were meeting in a smallish room that normally would hold about 30 or 40 people at a squeeze, but we put 80 people into this room. Uh <laughs> That was in, that was actually he asked me to get involved about the nineteen eighty six in fact it was um, little did Raymond know or little did I know that Raymond actually took quite on well after that he was thirty nine at that age, at that stage and uh, within three years I think he was he died when he was forty two but anyway Raymond asked me to get involved and Rosie McCavery that's Jim McCavery's wife she was involved as well and um, we met in a small room with eighty people in it then it came to a period of time. Uh, I knew that there were two doors into this room and I knew there were people sitting outside, bulging out out of the room. 
But I got to the stage that actually some nights there were more people outside the room than were actually inside the room. So we had to move into another hall. And then over a period of time, that got too small for us. And we moved into another hall and it got too small for us. And then we moved with the building extension into the hall that we know now as the CE meets in. So that's where it started for me back in 1986 um, when Raymond asked me to get involved. Little did I know, I thought I was just coming along to help him. But little did I know that, in fact, inside a matter of a few months, Raymond was poorly. And uh, I sort of ended up being in charge of this group, which was quite scary. So that's that was my genesis into the into CE life. Yep. That's that's incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about like the the demographic of of CE back in nineteen eighty six? Well, it was mostly folk who would have belonged probably to first Port of Down, and then they started to bring their friends along, and then the mixture as it is is probably the mixture has been for quite a long period of time that folk were coming. Um, one of the things that Raymond was very keen on that we should reach out into the community, but then we realised actually the community was coming to CE. And that was one of the reasons why I got me involved. But the demographics were all churches and for a lot of young people, some young people who didn't have any church connection at all, which is really was wonderful. And uh, demographics were really great across the board, similar to what it is at the moment. Yeah, I, I guess that's one of the beautiful things about CE, at least in my opinion, that lots of churches get behind it and support it. Totally. Um, yeah. What's, what's that mean to you that you're able to see that uh, the, the the Christian community of Portadown and surrounding areas come together and support uh, the work that God's doing, I guess, mm-hmm. and for you? Well, I think there's generations that have grown up who don't see the denominational divides as readily as maybe previous generations did. Uh, they w- they've worked together at CE and in other organisations and in, in SUs and schools and so forth. They've worked across the denominational uh, divisions and they know each other and they trust each other and they see each other as brothers and sisters. A guy who did grow up through CE said to me one day, not that long ago, he says that CE was God's gift to this area. Now, that sounds very grand, but um, in God's gracious providence, I think it possibly was and is God's gift to this area, as as there are other groups as well who meet in the town who are gifts given by God to our community. But uh, certainly, I think CE has been blessed beyond measure, despite the idiots that we are God has blessed that uh, more than we could ever imagine so it, it's um, yeah that's how I see it at the moment I guess uh, that's one thing a lot of people don't realise until I guess they move away from Portadown is how privileged we are to have CE in Portadown like have you have you experienced that when I guess when you take a group of CE up to the north coast for example well, it's always the question people always ask, Gilly, how many have you got this year? And it's a it's a dangerous thing because begin to, after a period of time you start to believe your own press and your ego starts to go, Oh, I've got this this that's not many people up. So the last X number of years I've said, No, I've no idea how many we've got and sometimes I actually don't have any idea how many are there. <laughs> we're perfectly honest. That's my job, um, Gilly. Yes, exactly. So in many ways, um I'm very aware of the fact that when people ask me about it in other places they say really on saturday night and on what and they sort of think what is the hook what is it that attracts these guys to come along and as to the folk who come along as to their credit that they come and it's as you know yourselves there's uh, there's the worship and the praise and there's the teaching and there's the fellowship and that's the beginning and end of it 
to be perfectly honest. Um, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything else, other, any hook that's dragging them in for any other reasons, but it's a joy that people come along. We're privileged, as, as we know, that folk come along and feel happy to come along and feel safe to come along. You talk about denominations, the churches know that we're not out to steal anybody, mm-hmm. uh, that we're supporting. And certainly in the last few years, especially because you two guys, I would have to say, you've been very keen on sent for get involved in your own churches. And that's incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's crucial. Uh, well, you mentioned um, Raymond McCrea, who was obviously yeah. um, the guy who introduced you to CE, got you uh, CE, got you involved into CE. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how he impacted you personally and and uh, mm. the the change he had in in you in your life? Raymond was um, a really lovely man, uh, open hearted, kind. Talented musician, played the guitar, wrote quite a bit of music himself. But he also had a vision for CE that it wouldn't just be an inward-looking organisation. He had a vision that it would reach out into the community. Hence why, I suppose, he asked Rosie and I to get involved. The other thing about Raymond, he trusted people. Um, He trusted me to lead for a while. And I didn't do it particularly well. And yet he kept trusting me and was very keen that I should learn how to lead properly. Now, I'm still in that process, as you all know. Um, but he was very keen that people would take ownership. See, it didn't belong to Raymond. It didn't belong to me. It actually was something that God had, something God had given us, but also it belonged to the folk who came along, that they were very much a part of CE. And so that's why he was very keen that folk would take part. And he was very keen also that even if they didn't do it desperately well, he was still willing to encourage them and to give them a chance after a chance to take part. I think that sense of trust in me was quite uh, significant. It taught me to trust other folk uh, more readily and also to realise that it didn't always have to be perfect. Uh, that wasn't wasn't the key to it. I remember one night speaking at CE and um, there were two girls sitting in the front row just in front of my eye as I was speaking, and one one girl was trying to pull the ring off the other girl's finger, and after about five minutes, it was the most amazing thing. And I'd watched this, try to speak on. Eventually, I said, "Excuse me, girls, what are you doing?" And uh, they were apologetic and so forth. And after the evening finished, I sat down and I thought, "I'm never going to speak again." It's a load of rubbish, and really was awful. And I don't think I've had a night since then that more people actually come up and thank me very much for what it said and have been blessed by what God has said to them through me. And I began to think, I don't understand this. You know, God <laughs> uses us idiots who'd get it wrong often and blesses it. And so it's it's not always getting it right. And Raymond taught me that. He says, it doesn't always have to be right. It just has to be full of integrity and full of being inspired by God's um, guidance. Yeah. yeah I think- so... I, great, great guy. His son is a Presbyterian minister way up the northwest direction, Donamana. Lovely guy. Um, his wife, Carol, still alive and living in Portadown. But Raymond was a massive loss when he died, but a very significant guy in a lot of people's lives. And there's a generation who, um, so as I joined in with when Raymond was there, who owe a lot to Raymond McRae because he had a vision uh, before most people had a vision. In fact, I think it's true to say he sacrificed going off to university in order to look after CE. 
Um, so we have a great vision for things uh, beyond um, what seemed to be. Um, yeah, he was just a great guy. That great is, guy. That's that's powerful. Gilly, when you took over from CE, what were your thoughts once you were coming into that? Was that something you were daunted by, something you're eager with or talk to well, us I think that? If, if God, if Raymond had come to me and said, Gilly, I'm going to retire from CE, I'm going to step down, I'd said, no way. This is just, that won't happen, Raymond. This, I could not do that. But actually, because I came in and then Raymond became unwell, I had no choice in the matter. So it was a signed deal. So uh, I, I was very nervous. I wasn't sure I was capable of doing it, which is probably the right place to start from. Um, I, I realized that we need to continue on the themes that Raymond had, and that was that we would teach the Bible faithfully. Uh, we'd give people opportunity to share what was on their hearts, and we would endeavor to have a sense of community, that people were together in this, so they were cheering each other along. So those are the things, the things that I felt very strongly about initially that we wanted to teach the Bible faithfully. We wanted to give people an opportunity to have a voice and say what was on their heart. And we also wanted a sense of community, but also a sense of community that looked outwards um, into our com own communities. So, yeah. Well, that, that sounds very much like the, the CE we all know and love today. So, and, and I guess in a lot of respects, not much has changed over the last, I guess, 34 years, Gilly, not to make you feel yep. old. What would, what would you say is, is the biggest change, though, that's that's taken place in CE? Well, in those days when we met in that small room, we had a, a overhead projector <laughs> uh, that would never sit on it, and I would have to write it out, and I wouldn't be able to read my writing with a, one piano. Um, it was very different from what it is now. Gilly, some people, uh, some people listen to this don't even know what an overhead projector is. Yeah. Well, if you go to the Ulster Museum, you'll find one in there. So probably, yeah. um, it was a uh, well. You can look at look it up on the, on the internet and you'll find out what overhead projectors were. And <laughs> uh, that would be used to put the music up. Um, it was, I suppose, it was, it was the same but different. And it was of its age. To be perfectly honest, mm. music was different. Um, music has progressed. There's a lot more involvement. I think we've moved into a different, not saying we're any better, but it's just we've moved on, and that's good. Yeah. Mm. We, we have more people who've got talents now involved, to be perfectly honest. Mm. You've got all the IT folk. You've got all the sound folk. You've got the musicians. That's that's great that they can be involved, because before that, maybe it was only just a handful of people could be involved at any one time. So, yeah, that's those are the big changes I think I've seen. Mm. The scene hasn't changed at all. The sense of community... Hopefully it's the same. Yeah, yeah. The only problem that I think the danger we have, I suppose, now is sometimes when it's too big, people can get lost. Yeah. Some of them come in for the first time, come in and go out again, and they just wonder what on earth was that all about. And it takes them a while just to get used to what C is about, that it's there to be a, really a dis teaching, discipleship uh, meeting, um, but also evangelistic as well to reach out to people who want to hear what God has to say to them. Yeah. Yeah. Could you share over the last number of years some highlights, things that have encouraged you? There's probably a million and one things you could say, but is there maybe like one or two like sort of standout moments for you that you could you know, share with us? Well, there's years ago, um, I can't remember the date. It wasn't long after I got involved. We actually ran a restaurant for three weeks. 
Uh, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. With with other churches, but pr- see, he was probably the main runner of it. Uh, we provided the running of it and renovating of it and with other people, very significant people who helped. We ran it for Cambodia. It was called Care Care for Care More for Cambodia, and it was near where Davidson's shop is. And we ran it for three weeks. We ran. We had coffee in the morning. We had lunch, and then we had afternoon tea. And sometimes we had things on in the evening. That ran for three weeks, and we raised ten thousand uh, pounds. That's a lot. A of money. lot of money. Those days was a lot of money, and uh, uh, you know it was it was a very significant uh, thing. You look back. We did it actually two years running. We ran a cafe, which you had to pay to get out rather than pay to get in. <laughs> so uh, live music. Uh, of an evening, so we're on that. It's more of an evening thing, and that went on for about three weeks again, raising money for Cambodia. Cambodia was a big thing at that stage because there'd been a lot of atrocities in Cambodia, and there were Christian folk working in Cambodia at that stage. So that was a big thing. But uh, CE was involved with other people in that, so that was a big thing. Um, I think probably the, the transition to mission teams was a, was a massive thing as well. We always had folk going out. Uh, as individuals to various things like SISM and SU camps and various OM and um, so forth throughout the world. And we tried to support them as best we could. But then when we started to think about taking teams away, that was a big thing. And in fact, I was on one of the early teams to Senegal, with teams to uh, Mexico. Um, so those were early days that, that we started moving to that. And then even just this year, the fact the number of people, there's over 60 folk who had applied to go on teams this year. Now, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get the grace and peace thing going, but um, that's just a real joy to, to move from individuals doing stuff to see actually being able to do that themselves. That was that's a great joy. So, and, and do you remember what sparked that? What sparked the, the idea to, to send out teams? I think it's folk out there who said, look, we'd love you to come out to us. So there were folk in Senegal at that stage uh, who said, look, please, we'd love your team to come out and do practical stuff. And so we got two teams, went out back to back uh, for two weeks each. And um, I also realized we could actually do this. This could actually happen. So we then the other things like Stand By Me came along and then Romania came along and uh, then... I suppose Malahide, Dublin came along as well and all those things. And Grace and Peace was, I don't know where that started from, Henry. Maybe you could tell us where that started from. Oh, that's a long story. Well, it came from the original Philadelphia link with Spruce Hill. Uh, right, 10th, yes. And then just obviously yeah. 10th church plant to Grace and Peace and it came yeah. naturally from there. When, when was the very first mission team? Was it the Senegal team? I think it probably, you know, there might have been a team to Mexico before that, in fact. Yeah. Jim McCavery and Rosie took a team to Mexico. We had a couple of people on that team who were very capable and very sensible folk. Couldn't understand that when they were going to Mexico, they would fly to uh, Spain, first of all, or maybe Portugal, and then fly across the Atlantic because they actually didn't realize that Mexico was across uh, the Atlantic (laughs) in America. They actually thought it was somewhere in southern Spain. (laughs) Dear. Oh, dear. The Royal School Armagh. I have no idea whether that says something about the geography in the Royal School Armagh. Yeah, it's not, but, not anyway, quite ported on, is it? I mean, if they're, if they're listening, they'll recognize themselves. It's <laughs> pretty bad. That happened that was, a, was New Horizon. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that 
Robbie Chambers and I went up to New Horizon. We really hadn't a clue what it was about. But we sat there one evening, having gone up just for the evening, and we thought, we need to bring other people up here. So the next year, we just brought a handful of people up. And then we used to bring people up, maybe 60 or 70 people up, but they'd all stay in separate houses. It totally was the wrong thing to do from any sort of youth ministry thing. <laughs> and I used to drive around in the evening to make sure everybody was okay and then drive around in the mornings to pick them up to take them to Livewire and then the evenings. It was just a crazy, crazy thing until we eventually got Aherton, uh, which sort of made it more sensible. So starting to your eyes. I don't know about sensible. It's hard to believe that Aherton is more sensible. That's uh, yeah, yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. It's all relative, isn't it? I guess so. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I guess so. But I, went, I went into the state agent in, in Port Stewart and I said, I look at her house during the week of New Horizon. They said, they give me 12 addresses. So I went around and looked at them all and I came back and said, yeah, I'll take them. They said, well, which one do you want? I said, I'll take them all. <laughs> I, said, I, them all. I, said, well, I want them all. So after a bit of persuasion, we paid the down payment for 12 houses, which we had in Port Stewart. And we put maybe six people into each house. Um, it was totally nuts. Totally not crazy, but it was great, great days. Um, my nervous system was never the same since <laughs> then. And then I discovered Aherton Village. Uh, I was asked the guy there, could we go there? And they said, yes, of course. So, mm-hmm. which is a great transition. So New Horizon has been another big thing for, we used to actually go down to Shannock Moor at the end of August as the, just before C started. And we had a, about four or five days down Shannock Moor and did all the outward bound stuff and so forth. And that was good in itself. And then New Horizon arrived and we thought, time for a change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Gilly, if you, um, I mean, maybe you haven't really thought about it too, too much in depth, but what would your what would your hopes for the future of CE be? <laughs> well, there's a phrase that I've been using recently, which um, probably never really used before. I maybe thought about it, but never used it. Was the word "God willing." Um, my, maybe grandparents would have used that quite a lot. That phrase, yeah, you know, something we'll, we'll meet God willing. And in many ways, it it didn't feel that comfortable thing to say. It sounded like a cliche, but it probably grew up during the First World War and maybe during the Second World War, when they didn't know whether their relatives were going to come back and they, they would have said, God willing. And I suppose as we're at what we're going through at the moment, that's a very important thing for us to say and to realise things are God willing. So we'd love to be meeting again, see, is it before September, but if God willing in September, um, that we continue to do, I suppose those four things that I mentioned earlier on, that we continue to teach faithfully God's word, that we'd continue to worship, we'd continue to have a community um, where people feel welcomed, um, that people who come on their own will find people who befriend them and love them and, and be interested in them, and a place that's safe for them physically and emotionally, a place where they can grow spiritually, but also a place that looks outward into not only just around the world, but also into our community. And if I'm honest, Sometimes that's something I find we would have, you, you you probably all know that sometimes sometimes some folk come along and they don't their behaviour is not spectacular and I'm a bit inclined to jump on them. Mm. That makes me feel guilty to be perfectly honest sometimes, but it's, I think it's sometimes because I want to protect 
other folk. But I do sort of feel sometimes there is a need for us to reach out into folk who just do not get it. Mm. Um, and that's hard. And I'm not sure how we do that as best we can. Mm. Um, but it's something I think we need to keep to the fore and think, how do we as a CE uh, reach out to folk who just do not get it at this moment in time and just don't know how to, to even um, come into a situation like that? We maybe need to find a different forum for them so we can, can bring the gospel to them. But that's something that I think is for the future and God willing, that was something that we will continue to keep to the fore and, and ask God to lead us in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's even a challenge to, I guess, those listening, you know, uh, who are, you know, a staple of CE that as they continue to be part of CE, they, they want to, they should be looking, they should, they're, if they're part of CE, they should be looking out to those around us as well. Yeah. Well, we want CE to be a place that they, they can bring their friends with, that they know their friends will be made welcome and they'll not feel culturally that it's it's going to embarrass them or anything but something that's going to teach them god's word faithfully and give them an opportunity just to to ask the questions they need to ask without being criticized and to be shown not just our ideas but god's truth into their lives mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's a challenge yes to all of us that we'll do that yeah i think obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing and you've already mentioned it for so many people it's not until they maybe leave maybe go to university or maybe their time at sea naturally comes to an end so they sure. realize how special special it is like that certainly was the case when i went to to philadelphia for a couple of months a couple of years ago um i'll be honest the thing i missed the most of that was was being there saturday night at ce it just really hit me once i was in Philadelphia on a Saturday, like everyone's meeting on Saturday night, and I, I'm not there. I was very, very, very conscious, and it just made me think of how much I appreciated and valued, and, and very honestly, the, the friendships that were there and mm. and the people that uh, I care for dearly. Uh, I'm missing out on that, and just how unique an uh, opportunity it was. It was, yeah, such a special place. I I just pray that there are folk who. Uh, who are listening to this realize that that um you know that god loves them and still cares for them and you know they may be so to some extent some may have wandered away a bit and are not quite sure where they're at and they're just struggling a bit you know that um the god that they knew and, and they worshiped and they felt close to maybe in those days is still is there ready for them just to say look lord i've, I've wandered away from you please help me uh, and bring me back to yourself again. Um, so, I would. I've, I've shared with Rosie McCavery. Rosie and I would talk a bit about this and thinking about some folk in the past. Just wonder where they are, um, and I think that's something that folk will never actually leave. See that see you will always just consider consider them as being part of them, even though they've want, they're not in the country and they're miles away. They may be spiritually fine, but others may be spiritually not so fine that we still love them and, and would want the best for them and, and pray for them um, and see all these folk uh, knowing and loving the God who loves them. Well, yeah. as, as, you, as, you, as you've taught us to pray, Gilly, you know, we, we pray in the name of Jesus who hasn't finished with any one of us yet. Yeah, totally, yeah. Gilly, that's, this has just been a really uh, enlightening chat. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> Honestly, it's been, I, I've learned... Can I say something, guys? Yeah. You and the rest of the team in leadership 
or we're and whenever we really think of ourselves as big time leaders, you guys have been wonderful in your leadership um and getting alongside people because that's one of the things that is i think wonderful about c is that people come in and they become their young people coming in and as they get older and as they get to know us they become good friends yeah uh, you've done that wonderfully with a lot of folk uh, as of the others and so it's a privilege to be involved it's a privilege to actually be involved in each other's lives that's the thing um and to be even considered as a friend I'm not looking. I'm not advertising this. See, came and left an Easter egg on my doorstep this this afternoon, which was wonderful. Now, please, guys, I don't need any Easter eggs or anything. I'm not. Said <laughs> volume that she just thought about me and said she left it up, and I, I thank her very much for that. So please go and find somebody else other than me. And leave an Easter egg on their doorstep. Yes, please, please. I don't have any Easter eggs. Please leave them in my house. Send me a text. That's my address. And uh, yeah, come on, people. That's a challenge to all of us: is that we could get an Easter egg and put it outside somebody's house yeah. that you love, and you just leave it there and walk away. Um, either ring them and say, "Look, there's something outside. I've left it because I want to share love." That's something we could do. Yeah. Kelly, that's a that's a great idea and that's a great note to finish on. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, hopefully we, uh, if you're listening, you find this episode enlightening and entertaining. The legend that is Gilly Carson is always a pleasure to listen to. So a huge thanks to Gilly. And uh, in, guys. In, in, in the meantime, uh, if you're listening, keep safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and we'll see you next time. God bless. Take care.